0: And I'm just wondering, how important is this to you? You cannot charge what you want if you're not able to sell it. Ivy, how are
1: you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. I want to say I love, love, love how you show up online. Everything you say is just top-notch, spot-on. Hits the internet right when it needs to. I'm going to throw you the big well, question here, but what <laughs> is value perception?
0: That's such a good question. And I feel like this is going to be my example. I'm showing you a silver, what would you call this? It's a silver vessel. I'll move it closer to camera. It's a silver vessel. And I'm just wondering how important is this to you? Do you know? Honestly, because I can't touch it. Absolutely very little. Yeah. But I can tell you how important this is to me. This holds my medicine. This is what I take my medicine from every day. So this is an extremely important part of my day. And this is a really interesting way to show what value really is. To you, you can't even see it. You can't even hold it. You see something unclear. And to you, you're like, oh, I don't know how important that is to me. Because it's got nothing to do with me. But to me, this is my health this reminds me to take my medicine every morning. And if it's not there, then I don't do it. So that is a really good way to explain how value perception is so different. So what it means to you is different from what it means to me. That is does that land?
1: Oh, that hits so much. Wow. Yeah. Let's expand on that in a business sense as mm-hmm. well. Like, Of course. How then does that? come into play within a business, yeah, within a brand.
0: So I suppose I will throw back the question to you first because you do a lot of the branding. I don't deal with that. I mean, I work with businesses and different brands, but you develop the brands. So how would you, to an audience that may not have heard about it, how would you describe, you know, building a brand? And
1: Ooh. Okay, so my big one is... Wow, the first words that come to my mind, right when you say about building a brand, it is the thing is, it's all about value perception. It's all about how your users, your customers perceive your brand, right? It's a kind of way that a brand in a business, a $10,000 coach, and a $5,000 coach would not be branded the same way. They would not show up in the same way, right? Same way that maybe a 10K photographer and a 3K photographer would not show up, would not be branded in the same way. So it's really that perception of what something means to someone based on what their wants, their
0: needs, and their desires are. But I think it's interesting with what you're saying because we're obviously using cognitive biases to make assumption about different brands. So we associate certain things with cheap and certain things with expensive, whether that's a typeface or whether that is a color. I have a story to share about my first business. I was 26 years old. I'd opened up a restaurant. That was my first business. And it was a Swedish restaurant, the only one of four in the city. And I wanted it to reflect the culture of minimalism. So I set up this restaurant to have a very minimalist look. The branding was of a certain kind. And we were positioned in price at, as a cheap eat, a very expensive cheapie. So we wanted the best quality, but I wanted to make it affordable for everybody to eat the best food. But also then obviously at the bottom of the expensive restaurants, because it's it's right there in in the top or the bottom of the of the price category. And the moment that I opened the doors, I realized there was a disconnect because of the way it looked, people were expen- uh, people were expecting expensive food, expensive service. It doesn't mean to say we don't we weren't able to give good service, but there was a disconnect between the image that I had created, the brand that I was building, and the actual. Brand that it was, so there was a perception disconnect. What I did within literally (laughs) two weeks of setting up my place was I literally I made it rough. I removed things. I scratched walls. I bought mixed match. I didn't want it to look new. I wanted to look old and rough, so that it would actually feel a little bit more homely, cozy, and more creative, but to remove this kind of minimalist, expensive luxury feel that I inadvertently had put in my restaurant. And I feel like that's a really good business example of like a what is the value perception? Well, I think I'm going to get a certain type of food here. I'm going to get a certain type of service. And there was a certain type of people who were coming dressed in a certain type of way. I'm like, whoa, this was not the audience that I was wanting to attract. And I had to change that. And I think this is where branding comes in. How do you communicate where you're actually sitting on price?
1: I found something very similar with a client of mine a while back where she was going the high-end market. Her website was all high-end market, but her price guides were not. They were definitely not. The moment we changed those price guides, we went from, I think it was about... It wasn't even a 10% conversion rate, but I'm going to sit at a 10 for easy numbers. Two, Mm -hmm. good. I think we jumped to about 60 within a few months. And now that's starting to adapt and grow. So yeah, it is really interesting how you can attract people, but then actually take them through the system of the rest of your business is Mm -hmm. a whole other story as well, which is exactly what you're saying as well, right? Because you're attracting people by look. Yes, who were then disconnected on the other kind of, uh, as they move through the experience. Yeah.
0: I think the brand is, is there to give you a sense of what the experience is to come. And if that is, if there is a disconnect, then there's going to be a disconnect in the user journey, which means that you it's going to impact the business. Definitely. How do you, when you work with your clients, how do you, Have that conversation. Like, how did you have this conversation with someone like, oh, your prices are too low?
1: Oh, I've had some very interesting ones over the years. It's both an interesting and really difficult question to answer truthfully. Technically, this isn't my jurisdiction. I'm a brander. I can say I think there's a disparity between the market you're attracting and your price point. I'm also lucky in the sense where I have that relationship with my clients to the level where I can sit down and have these difficult conversations more readily. Do you have those conversations often? And then, what does that kind of look like from your end as a coach and as someone working with businesses versus branding?
0: Yeah. So most of my most of my clients they are actually creatives. So. Their brand that's kind of sorted, so I tend to work on the pricing front front to get them to price what they want. I'm a great believer in you get to price what you want now to have that brand disconnect, we need to be careful about, like okay, if you're going to be premium, does your brand actually convey that? How are you positioning yourself from all the different touch points? But I always start, and I know this triggers people. What is it that you want? What do you want to charge? It's so important. <laughs> you're excited. Yes. There. Yes. It's so important because it's your business. You get to decide. Nobody gets to decide for you. I don't. If you want to stay charging a certain amount, which I may think is too high or too low, that's on you. But it's really important to be able to sell your services. You cannot charge what you want if you're not able to sell it. So that's then my job is to make sure that what you want is sellable. Can we get can we can we get that what you want? And if we can't, why? Where are the problems? Is it um so before we even go into the details of charging what you want, you have to be <laughs> profitable. There are some baselines yes. we we'll need to make sure that you have here. No. <laughs> you have to be profitable. This is business fundamentals. I take it for granted. You must be profitable. You must know how to calculate your profits. And then once you know your profit, And what minimum profit you want, you get to go up and down as much as you want. If you don't want to make a lot of profit, it's a bit dumb, but, you know, go for it. That's fine. Then you must be doing lots of quantities. A lot of judgy judgy commentary here. (laughs) (laughs) With, I don't know. So when you know what you want, you know that it's profitable and you know that you can sell it. There's nothing stopping you. And if you want to charge more after that, try it. Keep trying. But you must be able to deliver because just because you can sell it once, if you cannot sell it on repeat, then this is not something that is a viable option for you. So the people, your customers, they will tell you what you can price. So it's, it's a very symbiotic relationship. It's not just like, oh, I want this. It is, well, I want to pay you this because it's worth it. And I know worth is a tricky word to use, but they're going to think that. You don't have to attach your worth to what you do, but they might, and that's okay.
1: Yes, yes, and I do have a funny little story. The story about the first business, so the photography business, and I went on and I built this thing, I built this package, I loved it. I loved my package. The local market did not. Interstate could have worked perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Don't even try it. Don't even go there. So I really do resonate with that because I've been in that place where, okay, the business wasn't doing anything at that point either. So, you know, Mm -hmm. first point out the window. (laughs) But there was a sense of even though I thought this was worth something, there was a massive disconnect between what the people who I was trying to get in to do that and who I was attracting to do that perceived it as right Mm -hmm. I love how you said worth there too worth is a very big very big interesting Mm -hmm. topic isn't it
0: worth is a very difficult topic because a lot of people say charge your worth you deserve it I think those are very toxic statements because when you charge your worth you attach your worth to what you do and then before you know it when you get rejected you're like I got rejected no you didn't get rejected they just didn't like the proposal. They didn't want to go ahead with the work that you proposed. That's it. But when you say like oh no but I'm worth it. I deserve this job. I've I've um I've done everything right. Why shouldn't they go with me? Those are very toxic thoughts and a toxic kind of spiral to be in. So I always say just charge the value of your work. That's it. Charge charge the value of your work, and that's it. If you keep it to that, you're going to stay in a safe zone. you know. And how to do that is obviously to find out how valuable is this to the client. So the sales conversation actually becomes really easy. People think it's hard to communicate value. It really isn't once you know what is valuable to your prospect. So you have to have that conversation. You cannot sell a rebrand if all they want is Pretty colors, because pretty colors is what they want. You have to sell mm-hmm. the pretty colors to them. They don't want the brand story. They want the pretty colors. They want, And then you can go deeper into finding out why they want the pretty colors. And that would be a very good salesperson. They would you know, go deeper, find out why, get into the roots of all of that. That would be brilliant, but you cannot sell them something that they don't want. You know what they need and you can get that to them. But the entry point is always what they want. And that's how you communicate the value. They may value speed at which you can finish the work. They don't care if if there is a, again, I'll say brand story of the if you do brand strategy, they mm-hmm. just want it fast. Then you need to sell the speed. You need to make sure that you can you can uh, hit those points that they want so badly. And that's how you that's how you communicate value. Exactly. I'm gonna ask, how do you define value?
1: Because I love oh. Value comes up a lot, right? And we also talk about, it you does. know, you got to talk about value, 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 value.
0: I get a lot of comments when people say, like, "Oh yeah, you need to do something with value." And for the longest time, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, can people just stop saying value? You don't even know what it means." <laughs> <laughs> value is subjective, just like we said in the intro, right? Value is so subjective, but it's what what is important to the person. So whenever someone comments on a post and say like, oh, we, you have to show value. I'm like, you don't know what that means until you've discovered what the value is for someone. Now I had an interesting conversation with someone who said like, yeah, you can value isn't subjective. It's very objective. They're KPIs. You can measure things. I'm like, of course you can. But if those numbers and those KPIs are not what is valuable to the prospect, you're not going to have anything. So for me, value is what is important to the individual and speaking to that. How, how do you define it? I,
1: I'm actually going to use an example and it's very similar of when I started overhauling the business, I was like, I have to showcase this, 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 and this. All that kind of strategy jargon. And I had to take a step back and, like, no one gives two fucking shits about strategy jargon. Not even I do. <laughs> like, it was kind of like, wow, hang on. I've been going about this all wrong, right? Everything became then about sharing a philosophy, it became less about this is what you should know about strategy, and it was more about provoking response. Really provoke the understanding of what branding can be and what it should be and what it should elicit, not only within the owner themselves, but then also for our people, their clients. And speaking on that philosophy point as well, I think you do this really well, where you get into people's mind. It's less about educating ideas as much as understanding, like where people are at within their business. Talk to me about that. Talk to me, like, how
0: do you get into our brains so freaking damn well? I'm a big advocate for market research. And when I say market research, I don't mean Googling something and reading about it. I actually mean client interviews or prospect interviews. I I want you to speak to your ideal client and actually dig deep into how they think. When I create my content, when I write my blogs, when I do a sales post, when I do anything, I only speak to one person. I have one person in mind, very specific. And that is the magic of, of people coming to me and saying, how are you saying what's in my head? The truth is, I am saying what's in your head because I've asked you. I've asked the representative of you because I use the language of my people. I don't make it up. Sometimes I do because you get lazy, but for the most part, I'm using the exact language of my ideal clients. For example, in my market research, this is very maybe British specific. Most people said that, I don't know how I actually make the money that I do. I'm just winging it. I'm like, aha, more than, more than eight people in my market research called, just use the term winging it. Oh my gosh, that must be something they will be resonating with. So for the longest time I used that. I'm like, okay, are you winging it in your business? Don't know how you're getting your success. Don't know how to repeat it. And now suddenly all those people are like, yeah, that's me. That's me How did you know that I'm winging it? I thought I was hiding it pretty well. <laughs> Every language that I use. Wow.
1: Yeah. Insane.
0: is always is always from them. I mean, do you do the same? Do you do market research? I
1: do. I do, and I think on a lot smaller scale, like for me, it's something that I'm slowly starting mm-hmm. to ramp up or really work on. Yeah, we did market research together a while back, and I remember the experience being really. It was a really cool experience to have someone sit there and go, not only ask these questions, but then also know that you're helping someone like yourself actually really get into where minds, especially as creative business owners, and it was really really cool, and that's kind of the moment that I kind of became obsessed
0: with, okay, this is where we're going. We're gonna yeah. do something as long as as long as I keep getting messages saying like, Oh my gosh, how are you in my head? Then I know I'm on the right path." Like daily, I get a message like that. So like, you're saying what I'm thinking, how? That's that's the biggest validation.
1: To take that back into the value perception, how Mm -hmm. does that market research side of things really elevate that as well?
0: In the copy, I would definitely say in the copy, then you're able to communicate very clearly to one person and the... The value of what you do is obviously going to increase when the person feels like, I, I believe you get me. Trust is being built. And while that trust is being built, the sales calls get really easier. So people ask me, like, how do you how do you end up converting someone that you've never met before? Like they'll follow me for two weeks and then they'll convert on a DM. Like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, because I'm building trust through the communication that I create. And that's the copy. So whether that is on your socials or whether that is on your website or any touch point that you do have those words are powerful for that reason and i think it's also really important to stress that it's it's not it's not always going to get uh, to capture everybody it's always going to be like that you're not capturing everybody so i'll give you an example so one of my current offers is how to let's just simplify it and how to how to sign high paying clients i could either say high paying clients high-value clients, high-quality clients, high-ticket clients. Each of these four are going to resonate with different people. I need to figure out who it is. And I can tell you now, high-ticket clients is for coaches. It's not for people who are in the creative industry. So that one's out. Quality clients, that was two years ago. Market research continues. Quality clients was Around two years ago, people were telling me like, oh, I just want quality clients. I'm like, oh, they want quality. They're not so concerned about the money. They want to have great projects to work on. They want to have fun doing it. So that's a possibility still, but is it still relevant? We need to test the market value. What did I say? <laughs> high value or high paying? Yeah. High paying. It will probably go for a lower level client, someone who hasn't, hasn't really had that before and high value, probably someone who's in a little bit longer in business, every word you choose will have a different impact on the person and it will attract a different, it will just attract a different person. So if we want to position ourselves as, as in in a different way, the language that we use is going to be vital. So making that choice is vital. Yeah.
1: Okay, this leads me to two questions. What two or three questions would you
0: ask people? In all the time that I've been teaching how to do market research, the biggest mistake people make is to find out how people perceive their business. That's not what you want to be doing first off. You want to find out what their problems are first, what are the challenges, what are the needs? You need to remove yourself from the equation. It's not about you. It's not about, do you understand what branding is? Do you know what brand means? Do you know who, do you know what an identity designer does? Um, how do you feel about a logo? How do you, how do you want to work with a designer? That's not important. That's, that's important later on when you're trying to figure out how to build your business. But you can't even get clients with these questions because they don't care. They don't care about any of that. The same way you're so self-centered at this point, not you, just generally all of you,
1: (laughs) just uh, royal you, I should say.
0: (laughs) We tend to be quite self-centered and say like, well, we want to know what people think about us. Well, the person you're interviewing is the same. So they're not interested in you. They're interested in themselves. So if you can just turn that flashlight spotlight, if you can turn that spotlight on them and ask them questions about the challenges that they're facing, what is keeping them up at night? If you wave a magic wand, what are the three wishes that you would make right now? And there, a friend of mine, Jewel Kim, is superb at doing market research. And her list is a hundred questions, 100 questions. I I have an abridged version, which I've created, which only has about five. If you don't have a lot of, if you don't have a lot of time, some of the questions I just asked, these are the ones that you definitely have to ask, but it's not enough. I always have uh, conversations with people that last about an hour. They'll book in for 20 minutes and that 20 minute mark, I'll be like, we've run out of time, but I have time if you have time. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this is really good. Whenever you speak about them and not yourself. It's going to be so self-reflective for them. They're like, oh my gosh, no no one's really asked me about this. So the biggest tip I've got is when you are diving deep into their business, their problems, their challenges, what their desires are, what their goals are, think brand strategy. For those of you who are brand strategists, this is kind of where you just want to go. Don't just stop at the surface level response. Dig a little bit deeper. So tell me more about that. What is it about this that makes you feel this way? So just dig a little bit deeper because if, for example, if you say, what is keeping you up at night and someone tells you, I need more clients. Okay. What are you doing to get more clients at the moment? And if you find out they're doing nothing, (laughs) they're like, okay, I see the problem here. (laughs) You just keep digging deeper into where the problem is so you can isolate that problem. And when you know what that problem is, you'll be able to speak to that. And the moment you can speak to the problem in a way where they feel safe, the value perception of you as a brand is going to increase because they will feel like you get them.
1: Does this turn the idea of the ideal client on the top of its head? Just a little bit it's really about solidifying their way of thinking and how their psyche works. Mm-hmm. Is that like really where the power of is?
0: Yes, it's really important, but I don't want to move away from the fact that because if we, I don't want people to not go with an ideal client, therefore not be niche, because it's very difficult to niche into a problem and niche into a value. I've seen this time and time again. You, you seem like you've had experience of this. Oh, yeah. How important is the power of niching?
1: Because again, yes. I know I've, I've lived in the anti-niche stage. I've lived in the pro-niche stage. I've lived in the, there are many ways to niche. It's mm-hmm. kind
0: of where I live now. I would say this. If you have a lot of money, a lot of time, then you can put that resource to whatever you want which means you don't have to niche. You can have a marketing channel for each niche that you're interested in. And if you have the time or the resources and the people to develop each one and nurture each one, then yes, you're good to go. The other thing is if you're doing outreach, you don't need to niche. uh, Niching for me, the way I perceive it, this is my opinion, niching is a marketing strategy. It's the way you attract people. So if you're just relying on uh, outreach and you don't intend to do any marketing, then you can control who you reach out to. It won't matter. You can have a problem problem niche or you, your value proposition will be slightly different. But if you are in a place where you need clients to come to you while you might also be doing outreach, the easiest way to position yourself in the market is by niching. So when people say be niche, they're not saying niching is the only way to do it. They're saying this is the easiest way to do it. Pick a niche, be specific, speak to one, attract those people. And I can guarantee to you, everyone else will follow. Because if you look like the authority, then why wouldn't someone else outside of your niche not want to work with you? It's not like your pro- the problem that you speak about doesn't resonate with them. Of course it does, because we all have universal problems in business. But we need to be able to communicate with specificity so that we can be seen as someone that we actually know what to do.
1: I've never I've never heard it said it is the easiest way. It's always the must. Uh. All I've ever been told is a must. But to hear it say the easiest way almost...
0: I'm glad. And I hope it does for your listeners as well, because we want, we want business to be fun and easy. And if you're struggling to attract your clients, then you have to think about, well, why is that? You know, what can you do to make it simpler for yourself? And the, the most common objection that I will get on this is going to be, well, I can't choose. I want to work with everyone. Then I'll say like, just for the ease of actually working with someone, go ahead and pick A niche, stick with it for at least six months to a year and see how you feel. Like give it a proper chance. Three months is not enough. Marketing takes a while to actually kick in. So, you know, test, validate, do your market research, do it right, and your business will be on a solid footing. But if you if you give it a half-hearted attempt, then you're not going to be able to validate it. And yeah, you'll be left with no clients. How do you know where that kind of like sweet spot is? Mm. Can you know? I have only come across one person so far. And I have come across thousands and thousands of creatives and other businesses too. And there's only one person so far who has been too niche. And it was very easy. You just, you just move up a notch. That's it. You just kind of go like, oh, that was a little bit too specific. But I would also argue this: this person in particular wasn't a client of mine. And I would also argue like before deciding whether it's too niche or not, I would have gone through a mindset like, okay, what, why do you think it's too niche? Then into the rationale, like, what have you done? What have you done to validate this? So before you actually choose a niche, first of all, no one can think so narrow. Like it's very rare for people to say, I want to be, um, I'm looking at trees right now. I don't know what they're called, the tree people, the people who take care of trees, but for only oaks. That, that, like, there's no person who, you know, is a tree doctor who would only say, I'm an oak doctor. Although there's so many oak trees in the world, I'm sure they'd be fine. But it's really unusual for someone to actually pick something ultra niche. It helps in your authority building. If you are niche, you become much more of an expert. Um, if you're an expert, the value perception changes. If you're, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to be generalist. Oh my goodness, we all have talents. All of us have it. I can coach any business, literally any business. Do I? No. Because if I coached any business, it would not be seen as so valuable. And yes, maybe someone who has an accountancy firm may prefer going to someone who's got accountancy um, coaching experience. But that doesn't mean I can't coach them. And it doesn't mean they won't come to me either. But being niche, it builds the authority. It increases your value perception because of that. So definitely that's one of the tools you can use.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I want to thank you for diving into all this with me because holy smokes, this isn't a big topic. <laughs> it is. Before we wrap. I'd love to ask you our rapid fire questions. So Okay. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> What's your favorite book?
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't think. I'm looking at a book that I read twice. It's called Debt by David Gra- Graeber. I really like it. I haven't read it in completion. I've listened to it once, but it's just full of so much... Uh, information about the nuances of how money came about how debt was created and I love the cultural aspect of it so I'd say like it's not my favorite but it's the book that came to mind
1: (laughs) if you were to be sent off to an island what one object would you take with you to this island
0: oh the first thing came up was a pen I like it (laughs) I that's like the first it. thing that came to mind but what would i write on i'll make paper
1: yeah yeah i would yeah 100 yeah and how do you have your coffee i don't drink coffee
0: but if i do as an espresso what what's your yeah, beverage i'm not of a choice? hot water water is my beverage of yeah. choice love water
1: no i want to thank you for joining me absolutely love 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 this and yeah you can find ivan all the links down below and yes thank you for joining me and i hope you have an
0: absolutely epic
1: rest of your
0: tuesday yes tuesday (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for having me taylor this was a really good conversation we Mm -hmm. spoke about pretty much everything around yes well we we touched a lot more topics than i thought we would (laughs) and it was fun thank you for having me of course no thank you